Under the caverned pyramids, great set coils asleep. Among the shadows of the tombs, his dusky people creep. I speak the word from the hidden gulfs that never knew the sun. Send me a servant for my hate, O scaled and shining one. The sun was setting, etching the green and hazy blue of the forest in brief gold. The waning beams glinted on the thick golden chain which Dion of Attalus twisted continually in his pudgy hand as he set in the flaming riot of blossoms and flowering trees which was his garden. He shifted his fat body on his marble seat and glanced furtively about, as if in quest of a lurking enemy. He sat within a circular grove of slender trees, whose interlapping branches cast a thick shade over him. Near at hand a fountain tinkled silverly, and other unseen fountains in various parts of the great garden whispered an everlasting symphony. Dion was alone except for the great dusky figure which lounged on a marble bench close at hand, watching the baron with deep, somber eyes. Dion gave little thought to Thothamon. He vaguely knew that he was a slave in whom Ascalante reposed much trust, but like so many rich men, Dion paid scant heed to men below his own station in life. "'You need not be so nervous,' said Thoth. "'The plot cannot fail.' "'Ascalante can make mistakes as well as another,' snapped Dion, sweating at the mere thought of failure. "'Not he,' grinned the Stygian savagely. "'Else I had not been his slave, but his master.' "'What talk is this?' peevishly returned Dion, only half a mind on the conversation. Thothamon's eyes narrowed. For all his iron self-control, he was near bursting with long-pent-up shame, hate, and rage, ready to take any sort of desperate chance.' What he did not reckon on was the fact that Dion saw him, not as a human being with a brain and a wit, but simply a slave, and as such, a creature beneath notice. "'Listen to me,' said Thoth. "'You will be king, but you little know the mind of Ascalante. You cannot trust him once Conan is slain. I can help you. If you will protect me when you come to power, I will aid you.' Listen, my lord, I was a great sorcerer in the south. Men spoke of Thothamon as they spoke of Ramon. King Stesphon of Stygia gave me great honor, casting down the magicians from the high places to exalt me above them. They hated me, but they feared me, for I controlled beings from outside, which came at my call and did my bidding. By set, mine enemy knew not the hour when he might awake at midnight to feel the taloned fingers of a nameless horror at his throat. I did dark and terrible magic with the serpent ring of set, which I found in a nighted tomb a league beneath the earth, forgotten before the first man crawled out of the slimy sea. But a thief stole the ring, and my power was broken. The magicians rose up to slay me, and I fled. Disguised as a camel-driver, I was traveling in a caravan in the land of Koth when Ascalante's reavers fell upon us. All in the caravan were slain except myself. I saved my life by revealing my identity to Ascalante and swearing to serve him. Bitter has been that bondage. To hold me fast, he wrote of me in a manuscript and sealed it and gave it to the hands of a hermit who dwells on the southern borders of Koth. 
I dare not strike a dagger into him while he sleeps, or betray him to his enemies. For then the hermit would open the manuscript and read, Thus Ascalante instructed him. And he would speak a word in Stygia. Again Thoth shuddered, and an ashen hue tinged his dusky skin. Men knew me not in Aquilonia, he said. But should my enemies in Stygia learn my whereabouts, not the width of half a world between us would suffice to save me from such a doom as would blast the soul of a bronze statue. Only a king with castles and hosts of swordsmen could protect me, so I have told you my secret and urge that you make a pact with me. I can aid you with my wisdom, and you can protect me, and some day I will find the ring. Ring! Ring! Thoth had underestimated the man's utter egoism— Dion had not even been listening to the slave's words, so completely engrossed was he in his own thoughts, but the final words stirred a ripple in his self-centeredness. Ring, he repeated, that makes me remember my ring of good fortune. I had it from a Shemitish thief who swore he stole it from a wizard far to the south, and that it would bring me luck. I paid him enough, Mitra knows, by the gods I need all the luck I can have— with that Volmana and Ascalante dragging me into their bloody plots. I'll see to the ring. Thoth sprang up, blood mounting darkly to his face, while his eyes flamed with a stunned fury of a man who suddenly realizes the full depths of a fool's swinish stupidity. Dion never heeded him. Lifting a secret lid in the marble seat, he fumbled for a moment among a heap of gewgaws of various kinds— barbaric charms, bits of bone, pieces of tawdry jewelry, luck pieces and conjures which the man's superstitious nature had prompted him to collect. Ah, here it is. He triumphantly lifted a ring of curious make. It was of a metal like copper, and was made in the form of a scaled serpent coiled in three loops with its tail in its mouth. Its eyes were yellow gems which glittered balefully, Thothamon cried out as if he had been struck, and Dion wheeled and gaped, his face suddenly bloodless. The slave's eyes were blazing, his mouth wide, his huge dusky hands outstretched like talons. "'The ring! By set the ring!' he shrieked. "'My ring stolen from me!' Steel glittered in the Stygian's hand, and with a heave of his great dusky shoulders he drove the dagger into the baron's fat body." Dion's high, thin squeal broke in a strangled gurgle, and his whole flabby frame collapsed like melted butter. A fool to the end, he died in mad terror, not knowing why. Flinging aside the crumpled corpse, already forgetful of it, Thoth grasped the ring in both hands, his dark eyes blazing with a fearful avidness. "'My ring!' he whispered in terrible exultation. "'My power!' How long he crouched over the baleful thing, motionless as a statue, drinking the evil aura of it into his dark soul, not even the Stygian knew. When he shook himself from his reverie and drew back his mind from the nighted abysses where it had been questing, the moon was rising, casting long shadows across the smooth marble back of the garden seat, at the foot of which sprawled the darker shadow which had been the Lord of Atlas. No more, Ascalante, no more, whispered the Stygian, and his eyes burned red as a vampire's in the gloom. 
Stooping, he cupped a handful of congealing blood from the sluggish pool in which his victim sprawled, and rubbed it in the copper serpent's eyes until the yellow sparks were covered by a crimson mask. "'Blind your eyes, mystic serpent,' he chanted in a blood-freezing whisper. "'Blind your eyes to the moonlight and open them on darker gulfs. "'What do you see, O serpent of Set? "'Whom do you call from the gulfs of the night? "'Whose shadow falls on the waning light? "'Call him to me, O serpent of Set.' "'Stroking the scales with a particular circular motion of his fingers, "'a motion which always carried the fingers back to their starting place,' His voice sank still lower as he whispered dark names and grisly incantations forgotten the world over save in the grim hinterlands of dark Stygia, where monstrous shapes move in the dusk of the tombs. There was a movement in the air about him, such a swirl as is made in water when some creature rises to the surface. A nameless, freezing wind blew on him briefly, as if from an opened door. Thoth felt a presence at his back, but he did not look about. He kept his eyes fixed on the moonlit space of marble on which a tenuous shadow hovered. As he continued his whispered incantations, this shadow grew in size and clarity until it stood out distinct and horrific. Its outline was not unlike that of a gigantic baboon, but no such baboon ever walked the earth, not even in Stygia. Still, Thoth did not look but drawing from his girdle a sandal of his master, always carried in the dim hope that he might be able to put it to such use, he cast it behind him. "'Know it well, slave of the ring!' he exclaimed. "'Find him who wore it, and destroy him. Look into his eyes and blast his soul before you tear out his throat. Kill him, I!' in a blind burst of passion, and all with him." Etched on the moonlit wall, Thoth saw the horror lower its misshapen head and take the scent like some hideous hound. Then the grisly head was thrown back, and the thing wheeled and was gone like a wind through the trees. The Stygian flung up his arms in maddened exultation, and his teeth and eyes gleamed in the moonlight. A soldier on guard without the walls yelled in startled horror as a great loping black shadow with flaming eyes cleared the wall and swept by him with a swirling rush of wind. But it was gone so swiftly that the bewildered warrior was left wondering whether it had been a dream or a hallucination. Now, if you're enjoying Fido, then you should definitely subscribe on your podcast platform of choice so you don't miss an episode. You can also go to FidoPodcast.com and listen on any device. Make sure and share Fido with your friends and family if you like what you're hearing. Word of mouth is my best advertisement. Don't forget to leave me a comment or a question, and I might be able to read them on the air. I love hearing from my listeners. Don't miss the new store as well. T-shirts, sweatshirts, stickers, and even a Fado pint glass can all be yours. Look for the link on my website. You also don't want to miss out on the exclusive new Fedork fan T-shirt. You'll have to message me in order to get one because they're not on any website. So, if you're a true Fedork, let me know. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Fado Podcast. And if you would like to support the show more directly, you can become a patron. I'm on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. 
There is behind-the-scenes content, early access to upcoming episodes, merchandise discounts, and if you join, you'll get a personal handwritten thank you from me in the mail, as well as a Fado sticker. Also, you'll get a mention here on the show. That brings us to the end of Season 2, Episode 33. Watch for the next episode of Fado coming soon. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you once upon a next time. Fado is a member of the Pizza Rice Podcasting Collaborative. Check us out at pizzaricepodcast.com.